I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. On today's bonus episode of the Body You Crave podcast, I'm speaking with my friend and fellow health and life coach, Haley Miller. So Haley has been featured in the Every Girl, Huffington Post, Metro New York, and she's spoken at Live at Jazz at Lincoln Center in front of 1,000 other health coaches, helping them through their journey. So she believes in making changes from the inside out. Clearly, we got along beautifully. So I hope you enjoy this episode with the two of us. Cool. I am here with Haley Miller. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you again. Yes. Yes. So let's start all the listeners. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about yourself and how you grew up. Sure. So my name is Haley Miller. I always feel like the tell me a little bit about yourself is such a loaded question. Like, who am I? What do I do? (laughs) Right. Um, What stories do I reveal? (laughs) what What should I tell? What should I not tell? So I guess I'll kind of do this in two different segments. I guess when I think of myself personally, I think of myself as a friend, a partner, a colleague, a daughter, a niece, a person who's out there in the world just trying my best every day and trying to find new passions, trying to stay curious, trying to learn new things, and really just someone who is seeking living the most meaningful life possible and trying to have a really positive impact. From a more professional standpoint, I work in marketing as my day job, but I moonlight. I always say that I moonlight because it sounds really cool as a (laughs) content creator and podcast host and kind of aligned with my sort of personal mission in life. All of the content that I create, the goal is to help people define what living well means to them. I mm-hmm. think that there's so much to learn and so much to know. And the more that we gather information, the more that we can change our perspective, broaden our scope of the world, and really create a definition for ourselves that's unique to us that can empower us to live a really beautiful life. I also have a health coaching certificate from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I am a health and wellness advocate. My definition of what that means has changed so much over the years and it's constantly evolving just like my definition of living well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when did you get certified I finished the certification in 2014 yeah so that's a that's a good chunk of time in order to have things change and evolve for sure yeah and you know I think that the program really helped me develop a different frame of reference for what health means for what wellness Mm -hmm. means having a broader perspective than outside of my own little bubble. And so I work with clients every so often, but more or less work to create content on a broader scale. Like with the podcast, I try with Instagram, but to be totally honest, I have (laughs) been falling off the Instagram train (laughs) a little bit, but you know, it's really interesting that you also ask, you know, how I grew up and what that was like, because I think that the way that we grow up and the influences that we have as a child have such a profound impact on the way that we live our lives as adults. Mm-hmm. And But as an adult, you get the opportunity, if you choose to, to make your experience a little bit more mindful and mm-hmm. reflect and see how you grow up and see how that's impacting your relationship, see how it impacts your relationship with food and health or how it impacts like what you do as a career. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the middle of British Columbia, Canada, in a really small town called Quenelle at like the base of the Rocky Mountains in like the middle of nowhere. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I grew up with my parents having us involved in like tons of sports. We spent a ton of time as a family and like barbecues and like gardening and just so active. And it was really just, you know, I have such fond memories of growing up. And then when I was 12, we moved to upstate New York. So I was like this little Canadian girl in a, in a really small school. And it was like culture shock and such an interesting experience, even though we think of Canada as being right there. You know, it was such a shocking experience. Only on reflection do I realize that though. Uh-huh, right. Um, 
And so a lot of the, you know, a lot of the same trends continued through high school, spending a lot of time with my family, being involved in sports, loving spending time with my friends, you know, kind of the things that like all kids really (laughs) like Mm -hmm. to do, I guess. And then I went away to college. I went to SUNY Geneseo in Geneseo, New York. Then I moved to Boston a few years later, and then I found myself in New York about seven years ago. So I've been here in New York for about seven years. And all along that entire path, I think I've had an interest in health and wellness and movement. And like I said before, it's just kind of evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. Thank you for, for just sharing us some of that with us, some of that background. So what then was like the catalyst to get you to the point where you wanted to do your health coaching certification, where you wanted to get more into this, this realm? So when I was living in Boston, it's actually a really interesting story to reflect on now and think about how all the pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. When I moved to Boston, my parents were splitting up and it was a really hard time for the family. I'm the oldest child and kind of felt like I had to be a little bit of a peacemaker, make mm-hmm. sure that everyone else was doing okay, and really just started numbing out my own emotions. I'd also mm-hmm. gone through a really bad breakup but right before that. And so it was just like, how can I like shove my emotions like down further and further and further? Mm-hmm. At the same time, it was the first point in my life when I was living with friends, like really cooking my own food and having to find my own means of exercise. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of this like storm of things that all came together. And what started out as like a curiosity of exploring food and recipes, and I just like couldn't get enough Mm -hmm. and running and discovering how fitness could impact my body turned into a little bit more of an obsession with it. Mm -hmm. And an obsession with running? An obsession with like trying to control everything that like went in and out of my body. Um, so just like wanting to make sure that I was eating like healthy and really being introduced by other people, you know, that sugar is bad for you, that Mm -hmm. all of these things are bad and taking all of these things internally, along with the stress of like my parents' divorce and this breakup and numbing my emotions and just getting so obsessed with food and working out, Mm -hmm. like just went down this rabbit hole of like health and wellness and wanting to find like the most healthiest person Mm -hmm. I could possibly be. Mm -hmm. I think, I think so many of us have been in that place. And so I, you know, I was cooking Mm -hmm. all the time, baking all the time. I started a blog and I I was genuinely interested, but it did also go down a little bit of a negative path and obsession in terms Mm -hmm. of like trying to control. But then I was out to lunch with a friend and she was telling me about this new place that she was working. She's like, we have all these like organic, healthy foods. And like, we learn about all of these different topics. And I was like, oh my gosh, a place like this exists. And about, I don't know, a month later, a job opened up at IIN. And so within three weeks, I had moved down to New York City, was working at IIN and I enrolled in the program. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of an interesting path that I had like the inside scoop into the program Mm -hmm. because I had been exploring it online and was just Mm -hmm. so fascinated by all of the principles that they practice. And after enrolling this obsession with fitness and health definitely continued, but slowly through what I learned in the program, I was able to start shifting my mindset and my actions in a more positive direction that started to make health and wellness about more than what was going in and out of my body, but more a holistic approach to what was happening in my life. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to ever control your body shape or size? Would it Was it more of let me control this food so that I control how I look or how I feel about myself? Did that ever come up for you? Yeah, all the time. I was actually just talking to someone about this earlier. <laughs> okay. Or, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. I, I, all the time. Um, yeah. I think that that message was shared with me from a very early age mm-hmm. that the, the shape of your body and the way that your body looks matters. Mm-hmm. And right. I remember this one point in high school, like as early back as high school, thinking like I, I wasn't really hungry at the time for whatever reason. And it was like a very mm-hmm. intuitive process that I just wasn't really hungry. So I wasn't eating very much. But then I remembered starting to feel very thin mm-hmm. and getting compliments on being thin. Mm-hmm. And so then when your body starts to change in the other direction and those compliments start to fade, it's like, oh, 
Well, I don't look that mm-hmm. way anymore. So thin started to become the ideal. Mm-hmm. And I think that became ingrained in me since that point in time. And then realizing that you could use different inputs and outputs to control the shape of your body, which is pretty amazing. Like your body is mm-hmm. a really amazing machine. Oh, it is. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, to answer your question, absolutely. There was a wanting my body to fit a certain mold. And I recently heard someone say on a podcast, like, maybe you want your body to be a certain way, but maybe your body doesn't want to be that way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's so many different body types that, that we all have. And we tend as a society, as an American society, we idolize one to 2% of body types across the entire span. And what we fail to see is that like, not all of us can actually achieve that specific body type. Like I have a very kind of straight and narrow type. I don't have big boobs. I don't have big hips. I don't have like the hourglass figure. I don't have a really skinny, narrow waist. I have a waist that kind of blends into my hips, (laughs) you know, like they're, no matter how thin I get, I can get really thin and like gaunt and like sickly looking. And then I'll have, you know, like a six pack of flat abs and I'll have like super flat stomach, but I'll never really get kind of the proportion that a lot of, uh, it seems like a lot of either media, fitness models, you know, bikini models, Victoria's Secret models, like no matter how hard I try, I just can't, you know, achieve that. And really just recognizing and being okay that my body can still be just as hot and sexy and I can still be just as confident without having to look like what this idea or ideal is that either I think looks perfect or somebody else thinks. Because in the end, like, we just, we pick that up as kids. We pick it up so early on, you know, seven, eight, so nine early. years old. I know. Yeah. I always think too, like when, one day when I'm a mom, I want to be so mindful about the experience that I create for my kids mm-hmm. or the experience that I create for anyone who's younger. And even how I use the language with friends too, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I think that the way that we talk to each other can be really harmful and we don't mm-hmm. even really realize it. And you know what you were saying about like your body being a different shape, like my body's a different shape than the next person, the next person. And so the, this game of comparison that we play, whether comparing ourselves to our past mm-hmm. selves or comparing ourselves yeah. to another person, it only creates more turmoil inside of us because we can never like really achieve those things because there's so much that goes into how your body looks. Right. And also we are so much more than how our body, body looks, which is easier right. said than done because right. I still Absolutely. get in my own head about it, you know, yes. <laughs> but I look back at like a photo, fo- I, I, I do this really bad thing that I shouldn't do getting better. And I don't do it as much as I used to, but I'll like, look back at like old photos and be like, uh-huh. Oh my God, it was just so like skinny. Then I was so much prettier then or whatever. And then I think about it and I'm like, you also were like not really that much fun probably. And you like controlled the eight. Like you needed to go for like a 12 mile run every Saturday. And are there elements of that person that I wish, you know, I could incorporate more, but I like to run a little bit more because I do love it. Uh Sure. But like life is not linear, right? And so one day I'll look back at like photos from now and be like, oh God, I wish, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh We like glamorize this past self. And it's Uh so dangerous because it prevents us from living in the moment Uh and enjoying the experiences that we are able to create for ourselves right now. Absolutely. Well, and we often forget like the hell that we were living in when we looked that way too, because we're looking at it like, oh, I was so skinny. Like, oh, I was so awesome. I wish I looked that way again. But we forget like we weren't satisfied then either. Like we were still striving for something else. We were still nitpicking our bodies. Like a smaller body doesn't change a broken self-concept. And that was just one of the, that was just such a profound thing that I I've picked up and I've really like held tight because that is ultimately what it's all about. It's like, how do we talk to ourselves? Because how you get there is how we're going to end up being there. Cause I can lose the weight and it doesn't mean that I'm going to be any nicer to myself. I'm going to talk any better. I'm going to stop nitpicking. And like, we have this idealized fantasy of what it's going to look like and be like and feel like. And we don't realize like, oh, we can, we can have that life now. Like we can feel those things now and it feels counterintuitive, but that's ultimately like, that's, that's like the, the secret, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I 
one of those photos. I remember I just like the part of my body or whatever that I'm always so hard on myself is like my legs and my butt. Since as uh -huh. long as I can remember, I have very athletic, muscular, lower half of my body. Mm -hmm. And I like hated that for so long. And even when I was at my very thinnest, mm -hmm. it still wasn't enough for that mm -hmm. part of my body. So I'm like, why does it matter? You know, mm -hmm. like, and I found too, like what we were talking about with just body diversity is I was like following so many of the same people on Instagram. And mm -hmm. I had in my mind, like what a, what a beautiful body should look like. Mm -hmm. And actually through COVID, I feel like I've been able to diversify and, and have a broader range of acceptance for like what a beautiful, mm -hmm. healthy body looks like because there's maybe been less comparison or less like mirrors to look in mm -hmm. or, you know, just following a broader range and more diverse people on Instagram mm -hmm. has been really helpful in like changing how I see that aspect of life. Right. Yeah. So now you're just like, it's like you're giving more airtime to other perspectives instead of repeating the same one over and over again. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is beneficial for every part of life, right? Mm -hmm. Like how narrow-minded would we be if we never heard a different mm -hmm. perspective or saw right. something from a different place? So like, why don't we do that mm -hmm. with like beauty and body and like these body and beauty standards that we hold ourselves to are just incredible. Like imagine if we held ourselves to the same standards of like kindness mm -hmm. and generosity, mm -hmm. you know, imagine what we could do with that. And I, right. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anybody growing up that you like kind of consistently compared yourself to? Did you have like a friend or a family member that was kind of like in that comparison with you? I think it was just my peers. So maybe in high mm -hmm. school, you know, thinking about who all the boys liked or whatever, mm -hmm. and then looking at that person and being like, oh, I wish I was more like that. You know, and in high school, thinking back, I just felt so rejected it from like a male perspective. I remember just in like middle school and early high school, just always having crushes on these boys who would just never like me back. You know, they mm -hmm. would just never like me back. And they always liked, you know, my best friend or they were always like, oh, you're so, you're so cute, you know, but like, uh -huh. she's like sexy. Uh -huh. And, you know, those things I think impact you as you go on. So thinking about like, okay, who did those boys uh -huh. that I liked? Who did they like? Probably a little comparison there. And then I, I really think it's just peers, you know, at the people that everyone would really like. So they're, oh, mm -hmm. she's so pretty or she has a great body or, and personality wise too, like, She's so funny and has such a great charismatic personality, always just wanting to be a little bit more than I was. And instead of focusing on the qualities and strengths that I have, mm -hmm. focusing on the qualities and strengths that other people have that I might have too, but I never took the time to reflect and see mm -hmm. that in myself. Like I wish that, you know, in high, in high school, we, and even elementary school, we spend so much time learning about shit that doesn't matter. Like, mm, yes. You oh know, my gosh. Like, right. Like, can we create a curriculum of stuff that matters? Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the stuff we learn does, but there's so much more about like life that we should learn. And mm -hmm. if kids and high school students could sit down and like reflect and think about their strengths and understand mm -hmm. everything awesome that they bring to the world so that when they leave that small little bubble, they mm -hmm. can feel empowered to bring their authentic self into situations. Because for most people, it's really hard to be your authentic self when the whole world is telling you not to be. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, it's really interesting. So I was like a straight A perfectionist student. I had a B or a B plus in AP calculus senior year. And I like cried, right? Like, <laughs> no, it's a stain on my perfect, you know, straight A all through high school kind of thing, like very to the max. And it really like, it has done, I think more harm <laughs> as an entrepreneur than, than it has good because you know, when we're in school, it's like you learn information and you learn and you learn and you learn and you write it on a test and that's how you get a good grade and that's how you succeed. And while that might set you up to maybe be a good employee somewhere, maybe like to build a widget or, you know, to do certain tasks, certain things, like that's not what gets you farther in life. Like learning how to fail and overcome it, like learning how to persevere or building grit. And, you know, I definitely had challenging times in high school, but there's still this kind of underlying tone of, well, I just need more information and let me just get the right answer and then I'll be successful. And I think it's like, it's so backwards from like how we actually achieve success in life, which 
comes from like failing, getting things wrong, trying again, you know, and not like not being punished for the the failure either. It's it's a, a challenging concept to teach. And I don't like I don't fault any teachers or, you know, like I know it's a probably a, a bigger can of worms that I'm opening here, but but yeah, it it has such an impact, I think, on how we then live as adults and we try to achieve things then later. Couldn't agree more. I think that the easiest way to frame it is that failure is our biggest learning opportunity. When did your last, uh, I shouldn't say this for everybody. I don't know what everybody's most recent failure is, <laughs> but when is the last time that something went wrong? Was it like the worst thing you could have possibly done that like totally ruined your entire life? I'm sure those things happen, but more often than not, our failures are small, but we're all mm-hmm. such perfectionists, you mm-hmm. know, and, and feel like if something's totally, it's an ego thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, if I can separate myself from like the work that I do and just like let it go, I think there's a fear that maybe we won't be as driven or motivated uh-huh. and we'll just be like very easy breezy. Uh huh. But you also give yourself an opportunity to like, you know, you can be critical without being cruel. Yeah. And just taking an opportunity and take a step back to say like, okay, that didn't go how I wanted to. All right. Like, how can I change it for next time? How can I make Mm -hmm. it even better next time? Because if you never had that opportunity to reflect, if something, if everything always went your way, you'd be just stagnant Mm -hmm. and stagnant would be Mm -hmm. really boring. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Well, and I find that like, that's the thing with like it, it totally applies to our bodies as well and really learning how to take to take setbacks or what we might see as failures. And a lot of times what we perceive to be a failure actually isn't. We just can't see it in the moment. We just take everything so personally and it's like, oh my gosh, why can't I do this? Why can't I figure it out? What's wrong with me? We internalize so much of it. And then we think that by being an asshole to ourselves, that'll fix it. Like I just have to beat myself up on the inside. Like somehow we learn that's the right way to do it. And when I talk myself down and I like beat myself up inside, well, then I'll finally learn my lesson and then I'll get my act together and and like figure this out. It's like totally backwards. I know. I used to do that a lot with myself in terms of working out. I was so harsh with myself. You know, every workout had to be the best workout. Even if I was tired, that mm-hmm. run was going to happen. Even mm-hmm. if I didn't really feel like doing yoga, I was going to go because I had signed up mm-hmm. and it was so harsh and so hard. Yeah. And what my body was telling me when I didn't want to go for a run was that it was tired and yeah. it didn't want to go for a run. Mm-hmm. And our body gives us all of these incredible cues. If we can take a moment to step back and listen to them and really hear what it's saying. Like if your wrist is sore, that's your body telling you something. Mm-hmm. When your stomach grumbles, that's telling you that you're hungry, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing thirst and just taking an opportunity to hear all of the things that it's trying to tell you. Because like we said before, it's this amazing machine. And there was definitely a gradual turning point for me and sort of softening a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's been a long road getting there. And I remember I was in a yoga class and it was so slow. I wanted to like poke my eyes out because <laughs> me, I, I was like, I wanted to flow. I wanted to do sun yeah. salutations because I wanted to work out my arms. You know, I, I wanted to, to be do- moving and yeah. calories. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, I felt so relaxed in the class. Uh-huh. I just like, I was like, you're here, like, just let it go. And as I was leaving, I said, okay, from now on, if you go to a yoga class that's slow, that's just a sign that that's where you need to be right now. Yeah. You go for a run and you need to walk. That's where you need to be. That doesn't mean that we stop pushing ourselves towards our goals. That doesn't mean every time we're winded on a run that we stop. Just means that we're a little softer with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we do stop, it's okay. You'll be better for it next time. Mm-hmm. And I found that softening around that has helped me start to soften in other areas as mm-hmm. well. And just be gentle with myself. Like I would never speak to a friend the way that mm-hmm. I have spoken to myself. I would never be as hard on a yeah. friend for their failures that aren't actually failures. And so it's incredible that we have one body. We should be our own best friends. And we are so mean and cruel to ourselves. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and it's, it's easy to say, but it's sometimes it's just like, it's so subtle, like the self-loathing and the, the hatred and the criticism, like it just seems to come so naturally sometimes, like it just, it flies under the radar. It's like subconsciously programmed into how we do so much of life. And it can be hard to pick out on your own. It can be hard to see or to recognize like, oh, hey, that's, that's just a thought. I can change that like at any time, <laughs> like I'm in control of this. Yeah. 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 And sometimes we can't control our thoughts. You know, we have thoughts that will come and I have a lot of anxiety. Sometimes it's very situational, Mm -hmm. but I, I do run very anxious. And there have been times in my life when I just, you know, thinking back, it felt like my shoulders were up to my ears all the time. Everything felt like such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts felt hard to control. And those were stories that I was creating Mm -hmm. in my mind and anxiety will do funny things to you our minds can do really crazy things based on our experiences. And so while we sometimes can't control them, we do have the opportunity to see them Mm -hmm. and to steer them in a different direction Mm -hmm. and, you know, support ourselves in those thoughts. Some of the things that I found really helped, or the first thing that I found that really helped was meditation Mm -hmm. and meditation can be very intimidating. Like sitting with your own thoughts when your thoughts take you to wild places is very scary. But I started with Headspace, I think it was like probably six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this challenge. It's 10 minutes at the end of every day. Mm -hmm. And it was guided. So you don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. And just that I started to notice things. Mm -hmm. I started to notice when I was short with people that I worked with. And when I was being rude, because when I was in this, like anxious, controlling Mm -hmm. phase. I was like, not a very good person to Mm -hmm. be around and to work with. And I have spent spent a long time holding on to some of those emotions and feelings. And I I ended up like writing people emails to apologize like a couple years later, because I just, it weighed on me so heavily, Mm -hmm. but I could start to notice when I was being cruel to myself. I could start to notice when I was being rude to other people or being like a little bit uptight Mm -hmm. and just those small moments of noticing how you feel can have a really big impact. You'll start to notice, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not being very nice to myself and say something like, it's okay. Or we, I always say to myself, we don't have time for that. Or Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't talk to each other that way. And this is like all happening in my own head. (laughs) Um, But even those small things you do, you make these like small, tiny steps and small, tiny changes, one thing at a time. And they lead to such a bigger impact that can like span across every area of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier how sometimes when we kind of let go and we aren't as hard on ourselves, we are afraid that we're going to get complacent. And I think that's a big fear around body image, around self-love. Like I'm afraid, well, if I love myself now, then what's going to be the catalyst to change or you know, how can I be happy now when I still have this far to go? What would you say to like the woman who's kind of struggling or wrestling with that, that concept of being able to let things go, be happy, be content, love herself now, and still want to change her body? Yeah, I would say the first thing to think about when you want to change your body is understanding why you want to change your body. Mm -hmm. So do you need to change your body? Because like, your blood work tells you your physical health needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. That's one reason. Do you want to change your body because it would make you feel more like yourself and more empowered if you lost a few pounds or if you felt more muscular or if you Mm -hmm. gained a few pounds, people are Mm -hmm. trying to change their bodies in different ways for Mm -hmm. different reasons. Right. Or do you want to change your body because of what other people think? Mm -hmm. Do you want to change your body because you get more compliments when you don't have as much weight on you? Do you want to lose your weight, lose weight because you think men will like you more, women will like you more Mm -hmm. if, if you look different. So I think first, like understanding what your goals are and why you have those goals is a really good place to start. Mm -hmm. But then in terms of, you know, loving yourself now, you have one now we don't get this moment back. So, you know, it's 639 right now. And the part of the conversation that you and I were having at 625, I don't get to have again. Mm -hmm. And the dinner that I'll have with my boyfriend later, 
we'll have plenty of dinners, but I don't get to have that one again. Mm-hmm. And if I spend my entire life focusing on what's next, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to f- food and my body, I'm, I miss everything that's standing in front of me right now. And time is one thing that we can't get back. It's one thing that's yours. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants your time. You never have enough time. And don't right. try not to rob yourself of that time because you want your body to be different. There is no shame in wanting to change your body all the time. I think, Oh, I would love to work out a little bit more. I would love to do this and I'll try, you know, I set, Mm -hmm. you know, I set goals for myself too. And those goals range from trying to eat more greens to, you know, trying to lift more weights or do more yoga Mm -hmm. or go for a run and meditate more, or you know, cultivate more meaningful relationships. But I just find that sometimes, especially when it comes to body and food, those reasons or the reasons for those goals are coming from places that maybe aren't authentic to our true Mm -hmm. selves. And so we lose sight of what really matters. So tune in with what really matters and set time aside to focus on your body and your food and those things. And then the rest of the time, let that go. Know that you did enough for today and that tomorrow you can have that time that was allocated for that and focus on all of the awesome things that are in your life outside of that. Focus on how smart you are. Focus on your job. Find a new hobby because honestly, people don't, well, I guess people do care how we look, which is really unfortunate, but people who matter don't care how you look. Mm -hmm. People who matter care that you want to have a a deep, amazing conversation with Mm -hmm. them. They want to hear about what you're interested in. They want you to be interested. They want you to be interesting. And we can't do that when we're too focused on our bodies and food. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I 100% agree. I I so agree that like we've got to be living now and really enjoying what we're creating and like really striving to create a life, not just the body. And that's one thing that I talk about all the time is how do we how do we take our eyes just off of being so focused and so hellbent on my body has to look this way and I have to be concerned with this many carbs and fat and calories and food and really putting it onto how do I create the life that ultimately I want? Because at the end of the day, that's often what we're seeking by trying to manipulate our bodies. We're trying to to create a feeling. We're trying to create lush thoughts about ourselves. We're trying to have this life. And so it's like, okay, well, how about we focus on creating that life and trust and recognize that the body's going to come along for the ride naturally when we aren't trying to find all of our joy, pleasure, happiness at the bottom of an ice cream bar or, you know, like in a bag of chocolate or trying to numb out from different stressors and, and things going on in life. I totally agree. And I also think, you know, I just want to say, I share that advice from experience. I've come a long way in this non-linear journey that feels like a bunch of circles going around mm-hmm. sometimes. And But I just want to say also that I am far from perfect in that aspect. It takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. If, you, if it's something that you struggle with, it, it can take a lot of work and it takes mindfulness and it takes mm-hmm. a commitment to want to feel good mm-hmm. and an understanding and knowing that you deserve to feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have to earn it that you, and that's a big thing that I have recently discovered, like for myself, as well as for, for other people is really just fully understanding and stepping into this place where I don't have to earn positive (laughs) self-talk. Like, like I get to be nice to myself, like no matter what, when I mess up, regardless of what the scale says, when I hit traffic, like it does not matter. I like, I don't have to earn that. I don't have to earn self-care. You know, I think that's, that's a big thing. And I don't have to feel guilty about it either and feel like I'm taking away from other people in my life. And I know we always say like, oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. And, and then yet so many of us, like we, like we get it and it's a cute phrase, but like, then we still feel kind of conflicted or, or pulled in multiple directions. And, and it's really about just really honoring your own boundaries, I think. And just what, what's a priority for you and what are those things like? where is the give and take? I don't think it always, you know, it's not always just about me, but yeah, I do like my occasional massages. And by occasional, I mean, once a month, (laughs) like I want those on on repeat. (laughs) Yeah. I think what you said about prioritizing is so important because Mm -hmm. I believe that we can do it all. You can be it all. You can have it all. Maybe not all at the same time, but you have to understand what those things are before you can get them. Mm -hmm. You know, what's important to you. And so I, like to think of life sort of in like three pillars. Mm -hmm. So I have relationships is like Mm -hmm. my number one pillar. 
my relationship with myself, my relationship with others, whether that's, you know, colleagues, intimate relationships, my family, Mm -hmm. that's, that's number one. And I've always said that that's number one. And I always think it was number one in my mind, but I wasn't necessarily practicing it as number Mm -hmm. one. And as this, uh, the like softening has happened over time, um, being able to prioritize that has become a lot easier because mm-hmm. I I have more energy because I'm giving more to myself. So I have more energy to give to other people and really be more accepting of other people and just a little bit freer in my relationships and interactions. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. That's like the biggest priority. The second is like overall well-being and health. So that can range from, of course, it includes fitness and nutrition, but it also includes meditation and mindfulness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just feeling fulfilled. And then the third is, is passion. And so that's finding things that lift me up. And I always like to think of those things as what do I do where I don't think about anything else? Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about doing my podcast. I would way rather sit on a podcast or write a blog than watch TV. Most of the time, there are nights when I just want to lay on the couch and watch TV. But once I get here and I'm talking to you and we're talking about all this stuff that I just love so much, you get into this like flow state and that's going to be different for everybody, but everybody has the opportunity to discover what those things are. So Mm -hmm. try watercolor painting, try Mm -hmm. cooking and and recipe creating, or Mm -hmm. just go for a walk. Just Mm -hmm. find that thing that makes you feel good. And you're going to try a bunch of stuff before you find the one that works, but that's yes. the whole point. Yes. That's right. What life's about. Right. Absolutely. So I've got to ask you a personal question. Yeah. How old are you? Oh, I'm going to be 34 next month. Exciting. Happy yeah. early birthday. Thank you. I'm a cancer. Nice. Yeah. So, so as you're like heading into 34, if you were to think back and to like 18, 20 year old, you, you know, graduating high school and college. Is this where you thought you would be in life right now? No, definitely not. (laughs) Where did you think, like, what were you planning to be when you grew up, you know, as you were in college and studying, what, what, like, what, what do you, where did you think you would be at this point? And do you feel like, has that ever been kind of a struggle of like, maybe you're not where you thought you would be or not where you should be? Maybe like some unmet expectations there. So many unmet expectations. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm so happy that you asked this question because I think a lot of us get stuck in this fulfilling expectations that we didn't even set for ourselves, really. Uh They were just kind of set for us as we went along. So I have a whole, we could have a whole other episode on how I feel (laughs) about like going to college and trying to choose what you want to do as an 18 year old um, without any support ever. Oh, such a terrible idea. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think- With that, I will just say there is nothing wrong with changing your mind over and over and over again. But when I was graduating college, I had a boyfriend that I was dating very seriously at the time, and it was a very tumultuous relationship and heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, while we were in school, I thought maybe this is the person that I'm going to end up with. Mm -hmm. And if it's not him, certainly by the time I'm 27, I will be with the person that I'm going to marry. Right. (laughs) And that vision continued into my early 20s and in my first job. I remember I walked into the place that I was working when I was like 24 and I had baked everybody cookies for Christmas. I'd made like 10 different batches of cookies And I'm like, oh, I'm just practicing to be, you know, the best mom on the block. Uh And that's not to say that being a mom was like my number one goal, but I did envision having, you know, probably a Mm -hmm. couple kids by the time I'm 34. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know entirely what I thought my career would look like. I didn't have like a vision for what that would be. Mm -hmm. I knew that I liked helping people. I knew that I was pretty creative. I was always coming up with like different business ideas and like starting blogs and recipes. So I had this like general interest pool that I would follow. Mm -hmm. But in terms of career, I've just kind of like followed the doors that have opened Mm -hmm. for me and things have kind of come. So that's been interesting because I didn't imagine myself doing digital marketing, Mm -hmm. but I ended up doing that and I really enjoyed it. 
and it's kind of just like everything's like pieced together and so that's another element of like allowing and that's probably one of the only places in my life that I've just allowed things to happen in my job which is funny because I'm so type a and I love working Mm -hmm. um and you know following little cues that are given to you. So like with the podcast, for example, it was just happened by following a little cue because I Mm -hmm. did public speaking before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so in terms of unmet expectations, I guess it's mostly like the relationship aspect Mm -hmm. is that I thought that I would probably be married. And Mm -hmm. for the longest time, I had a really hard time dating. And I don't know if it was because of that expectation, if it was because of past heartbreak, because of my parents divorced, because I numbed out all of my own emotions and wouldn't mm-hmm. really let someone in. It was like I had a shield of armor uh, mm-hmm. all of the time so that I wouldn't get hurt. And then I finally made a decision that like I was okay with not being in a relationship, with not being where my friends mm-hmm. were. Did it make mm-hmm. me sad? And did I cry in bed sometimes? Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. Right. <laughs> but when I made the choice to be more open about it, is when like all of the good things started happening. Mm -hmm. And when I embraced the mindset that I'd had with my career to just let things happen, I met somebody who's like the best person ever, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. a relationship that's so wonderful that I couldn't have made it up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think I had this quote on my Instagram that says, you don't have to knowing, or you don't have to know where you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Because I think that when we try to define what there is, we are set up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have expectations for ourselves. Of course, we should have expectations for ourselves and goals and daydream. Daydreaming is mm-hmm. like the best thing ever, but not having an attachment to those expectations. So the right. more we can flow with life and let it happen, chase our goals, but not feel attached to them, the more things will just come to you. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but like when you open yourself up, things will come Mm -hmm. when you say, but you have to put it out there. You have to know what you want. Mm -hmm. You have to know, maybe you don't know exactly what job you want, but you know, I want a full-time job that Mm -hmm. pays me a paycheck every two weeks that has health Mm -hmm. insurance, that has Mm -hmm. a 401k, or I want to be an entrepreneur where I get to make my own schedule and I, Mm -hmm. you know, get paid this much for clients, Mm -hmm. or I want to be open so that I can be in a relationship. It's creating ideas of what you want that aren't so specific that are, it's completely unachievable. Mm -hmm. And the book that really helped me the last time I was unemployed and going through a hard time and thinking, oh my God, I'm, you know, not where I want to be was Gabby Bernstein's most recent book. Um, which one was it? Oh, I forget what it was. I know which one you're talking about, but it's, I like, can't think of it off the top of my head now. I'm going to find it. Um, yeah. I read it cover to cover in November, 2019. Mm-hmm. I think it, oh, super attractor. Yeah. It was super attractor. Anyways, they're all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but she had a lot of exercises that were just really helped me. It's so cheesy, but like manifest what I want. And uh-huh. I really believe that I have manifested what I want. Uh-huh. I, we all went through like last year was hard. It was hard yeah. for everybody, but like in reflection, we also can make a lot of things happen in difficult times. And I say that from a place of like very great privilege, being, having a paycheck, having a roof over my head, no one in my family Mm -hmm. got sick Mm -hmm. with COVID, but you know, I had my own struggles and Mm -hmm. within those struggles decided to say, here's what I want. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I got a lot of the things that I want. Right. Yeah. Well, it's easy to look at like all the negative without also looking at all the positive. And that was one thing when I was making our Christmas cards, I was like, there was some awesome stuff we did. Like it was a challenging year in many regards. It was also an incredible year. And I think being able to hold space for both to have it be challenging and amazing to have it there be hardship while also like thriving. I think that's really an important skill to cultivate and to really grow. And, and just, you know, kind of learn from. And I, and I believe also that like, we also have to be okay with the stepping stones that are going to get us there and not being so set on, well, it has to look like this, or it has to like, kind of like you were saying, like it has to be this result and it has to come this way. And with this process, but recognizing that there can be some like little stepping stones that ultimately get us where we need to go, but we have to be open to taking them, even though 
doesn't look like exactly what I asked for. You know, like, well, this wasn't the job that I wanted. I think about after I graduated college and had an internship in DC, I studied international relations in Russian. And then I decided I didn't want to join the foreign service. So then I was like, all right, what do I do now? So after like being unemployed after my internship in DC for like six months, went back to California and then, you know, was like working at the mall, worked for Abercrombie, was a personal trainer, kind of doing some odds and ends. A year later, like, all right, I'm going to Bangladesh. And there were times where I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, and I just couldn't see all of these stepping stones and how it was all leading me where I needed to go. And what I felt like was this massive failure of, you know, going to college and then not finding a job when, hey, the, the entire country was in this massive recession. I felt like it was just me. And I just internalized so much of it. I felt like such a failure. And then I was in this shitty third world country with like nothing better to do with my life. You know, it was just really negative without seeing like, oh, like this was where this is what I needed. Like this was like what kind of springboarded me into entrepreneurship. It's where I started my first business. It's where I met my now husband. It's, you know, it's like all of these different things and these different pieces. And we just don't always recognize that domino effect that some of these, these times have on, you know, on the end result in like five, 10 years down the road, I know we'll be able to look back and be like, oh my gosh, that's exactly why we went through this. Like, that's exactly why this happened the way it did. It's just, it feels super uncomfortable in the moment, (laughs) but I try to remind myself of like all the times where the discomfort has led to something so much better, like something better than I could have ever imagined. Discomfort means you're moving in the right direction. (laughs) If we're, if you get comfortable, that's when you know something's wrong. When things yeah. don't feel challenging anymore, find something to propel you to the next step forward. But I do love what you're saying about being able to find the positives. And again, do you want to recognize that it the past year would present different people with circumstances that would be much mm-hmm. more difficult to find the positive. But if you can, every day, try and find mm-hmm. a positive. Yeah. There are little things that shape our days that we don't take the time to recognize. And I've been calling these little big things. For me, you know, like my coffee in the morning Mm -hmm. or the piece of chocolate that I love to have at the end of the day Mm -hmm. or a conversation with someone or someone holding the door open. You know, Mm -hmm. there are all of these little things and sometimes the sometimes big things too, that we can take a chance to recognize like how positive they are. Maybe like you get like a hug that just feels so warm from your child, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, how lucky am I to have just experienced that moment of life? And when we do that and when we express gratitude and make time to recognize the little things, I think our experiences become so much more profound. And I always think about like kids' ability to have such a great sense of wonder Mm -hmm. and to get excited about the little things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I wish bubbles excited me that much. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, and I think the, the last thing it's sometimes it can be really hard to find the positive thing, but Mm-hmm. One thing that we can all be assured of is like, if we're thinking something, if we're feeling something, if we're doing something, we're not alone in those thoughts and feelings and actions. Like, even if you don't know the person who's also experiencing it, even if someone's not talking about it, mm-hmm. chances are someone else is. And yeah. most of our experiences are shared. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can share with one another, and that doesn't mean going on blast on social media, it doesn't mean sharing your story on a mm-hmm. podcast could be having one person that you talk to that you confide mm-hmm. in could be writing in a journal, but just like letting it out of your body will make mm-hmm. you feel so much less alone in those experiences. And I know the last year has been really difficult for loneliness and, and feeling alone, but I just really believe that, that we're not, if we make right. space for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it can also be a time like last year was also a time I think of great community building in terms yeah. of like looking at how else can I, can I meet people? Can I talk to people? Can I, you know, get on Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and how can I still create this community? I think we recognize probably how much we take certain things for granted and also become a little more proactive in doing things. I know I, I did, I was like, Hey, I haven't talked to a few of these friends in like six months. <laughs> Let me get on Skype and, yeah. and see what's going on. Let me check in. And so it's, it's all I think about taking action and, you know, being willing to sometimes step outside of your comfort zone, but to, to go that, you know, to, to reach out and to not be afraid of, of rejection, you know, because like other people want it too. They want the community, they want the conversation. So 
So as we wrap up, tell us where people can find you. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at the Haley daily. And my name is H A I L E Y. So the Haley daily on Instagram and my website is Haley dash Miller.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there, which I'm hoping it will be up and running again soon. My website's undergoing a little bit of a makeover, but maybe by the time this comes out, it will be, it'll be done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I just gave my website a makeover too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the website shame is gone. I feel so good. <laughs> I'm so bad. I tried to edit it myself and then I couldn't uh-huh. figure it out. So I just left it. Oh, <laughs> I'm I so lazy I sometimes. Think it was- <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad, quite honestly. Oh, so thanks. it's not a bad website. It's totally fine, y'all. Go go check out Haley. And um, any parting words for us? Any any last things that you want to just kind of leave listeners with? Yeah, I I think that we've covered so many of the things today that I feel really passionate about. I think as we enter this new phase or new normal, just remembering how we felt during all of the different phases of the last year. And taking that as an opportunity to create a little bit of a mindfulness practice and understanding what you want. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you really want out of life? Because I promise you that you can have it if you really want it. Mm -hmm. You might have to sacrifice other things. You might have to prioritize differently. But if you want something, you can have it. So I just encourage people to really define what they want and go for it Mm -hmm. and take action. Like you said, life does not happen to us or for us. We have to make the things that we want happen and just know that you, everything that you want to do, you already have inside in you. So if you have an idea to do something, you can do it. Do it. Yes. Yes. I love it. Listen to the Nike goddess and just do it. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.